This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hi, and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I've been in practice for 25 years now. I cannot believe that this is my 94th podcast. I'm looking so forward to finishing out my first 100 and starting anew. I began self-work last year because I wanted to reach out to those of you who may already be in therapy and are quite adept to talking about psychological issues, but also to those of you who might be new to anxiety or depression, new to trying to cope or manage with a mental illness, and are looking for answers and guides. I may not have all the answers, but I've learned a lot from the patients that I've worked with over the last 25 years, and I want to share that knowledge with you. Today, we're talking about something that I promised in the last podcast. We're going to be talking about perfectly hidden depression, but also we're actually talking about a process through which you can question your own belief systems and the rules that govern you and maybe challenge some of that thinking because As we said in episode 12, it's important to be an emotional grown-up and know that the rules and beliefs you're living by now actually fit your life. This same process can be applied to depression, anxiety, anything where your thinking can get distorted or your behavior seems really restricted by things that may no longer apply in your life. So I hope you'll listen in if you want to challenge your own thinking. Our listener email today is short and sweet because actually this topic is fairly, not complicated, but a little more in depth. I had a man tell me about a breakthrough he had made just because he was listening to self-work, so I thought I'd share that with you. So welcome to Self-Work, episode 94. Let's talk today about challenging and changing your own rules. Let's start off today's podcast by talking a little bit about the difference between beliefs and rules. Rules govern your conduct, your behavior, and a belief is an acceptance of something as true. So beliefs may seem to define the rules you follow, and yet the rules you follow may limit or expand your beliefs. Here's an example. Let's say one of your rules is, I always put a smile on my face. That's connected with the belief People won't like me if I don't smile. So you see, if you risk breaking the rule, you might begin creating another belief or vice versa. They're very highly interwoven. Now, in perfectly hidden depression, or depression itself, actually, there are thousands of beliefs you could have that are defining you, restricting you. All your beliefs will be unique to you and be born from your religion, your family, your culture, your mentors, your friends, your native country, your gender, your sexual orientation. Whatever has influenced you to believe what you believe and perceive what you perceive. Some of your beliefs may be connected to trauma that you experienced. And those beliefs can, of course, be terribly self-destructive. 
So we're going to combine some concepts and techniques from both what's called cognitive behavioral therapy and family systems therapy. Now, family systems therapy is just about therapy that focuses on the family. That's not hard. Cognitive behavioral therapy, in its simplest version, states that emotions arise from what you tell yourself about something or what you believe about something. If you change that self-talk, change what you believe, you'll change the emotions connected with those thoughts. So you'll feel better or you can feel better. So there are going to be four steps. They're really sort of four and a half, (laughs) but I combined the half one, which actually may be the most important, with one of the others. So we'll go through these four steps. First of all, you have to identify the rules that underlie your actions or your lack of action. Again, they were probably created by what you were taught or what you decided for yourself was what you had to do to be okay. You know, in one of my first psychology courses, we were asked to write out the rules in our families that had been our job to follow as kids. Some of those rules were spoken. You have to brush your teeth twice a day or you have to be nice to your brother. Others were never uttered. These rules were only understood. They were unspoken. One in my family was, for example, it's not okay to openly express anger. No one ever told me that, but no one ever got mad at home either. And if you did, you were sent to your room until you could act nicely. In fact, I heard one argument between my mom and dad when I was about seven, and I was positive they were divorcing. Now, it's not that there weren't things in my family that could have been fought about. In fact, probably should have been fought about. But those things weren't openly discussed. But remember, your family is not the only place where you could have absorbed beliefs or the rules that emerge from them. Beliefs about what you're supposed to do or be as a man or a woman. What rules you need to follow because of cultural mores. All of that is part of it. Now remember, some of these beliefs and rules were and are positive and helpful. You don't want to throw them out. But some are about pain or even trauma. For example, I can never trust anyone. I deserve what I get. Nothing happened to me was all that important or it was my fault. So those can be very entrenched beliefs about yourself, and those are the ones that we want to challenge. So first, you might even, as you're listening today or when you get back home where you can do this, you might write those out. What are both the spoken and the unspoken rules that have governed my behavior? Okay, number two. This one's fairly self-apparent. You need to decide whether or not each rule or belief is rational and appropriate in the here and now. Now, this can be tricky because your thoughts could be so distorted that they seem rational to you. A good rule of thumb is this. Would I teach this belief to my daughter or son or a good friend? If the answer is sort of a shocking no, then that's a huge clue that you shouldn't be applying it to your own life either. So sometimes we need to run a rule by someone else who we trust. Many not-so-hot rules usually include absolutes. I should, I must, I have to, you always, you never. Very black and white words that ignore the fact that healthy responses to situations are often very situation specific. There might be instances in which your rule is definitely the best way to go. But you can develop the skill of choosing when and where it should objectively be helpful. What's vital and very healing for you would be that it's now your choice rather than some mandate or law from the past that doesn't rationally make sense. 
So I'll give you an example from my own life. I may have shared, I believe I have on this podcast, I had some illness as a child and I couldn't go out in the heat. My body actually didn't know how to cool itself off, so I was very limited in the summer especially. But the older I got, I still wasn't an exerciser. Somewhat unbeknownst to me, or I don't think I was totally aware of it, was that I was still a sick kid. So I can remember in my early 20s, beginning to challenge this and say, I'm not ill, I'm well, because I actually was well by that time. I was living in Denton, Texas, and it was like 93 or something, and I decided I was going to go jogging for the first time in my life. I was about 23 or 4. I thought I might die, but I had to challenge that belief. And sure enough, I was just fine. So sometimes we absorb things about ourselves that simply aren't true in the here and now. I did learn not to jog in 93 degree weather, but that's another topic. Okay, so what do you do if you've identified a belief as just not rational or a rule? So the third step is this, to replace those old inappropriate rules with new ones. But then, this is the important part, this is the half. (laughs) You have to risk a new choice. Now, it's been my observation as a therapist for 20-something years that it usually takes risking a behavior change, making a different choice, before a belief can be totally challenged, decreased, or maybe even eliminated. Before I went on that jog at 93 degrees, I still might have thought, gosh, if I get hot, can I cool off? So it took me risking that behavior and getting out there and trying it before I could really look at that belief or that rule and say, I need to throw this one out. So let's think of all the movies that are based on their characters challenging and breaking their former belief systems. Everything from the very poignant and powerful movie, The Help, where black maids risk their very lives to talk openly about their reality. Or in the hilarious comedy, The Proposal, where we watch a highly ambitious and obsessive female executive soften and show vulnerability. The rules changed. The behaviors changed. So change that is based on challenging the rationality of rules and the rigidness of them can be extremely moving and powerful. The same thing can happen in your own life. Your belief system as it stands now can range from highly paralyzing For example, I can never let anyone know the real me. I can never talk about what my stepdad did to me. To those that aren't as serious but reflect how your past can govern your present. The greater the distorted belief, the more urgently you might have followed its regulations. Let's, for example, take the belief, I can never let anyone know the real me. What would be the new rule? I can choose to let someone into my inner world. That feels different, doesn't it? You can decide specifically then where that new choice leads. What behavior does that lead to? For example, if the belief is, I can choose to let someone into my inner world, the behavior that would follow would be, I'll tell one person about what makes me sad or about what makes me angry or just what I think is funny. I'll reveal myself. Or the new rule could be, I don't have to hide being overwhelmed. And I don't have to do everything that is asked of me. Now, these things are definitely all about perfectly hidden depression or perfectionism in general. So 
if the new rule is I don't have to hide being overwhelmed, what new choice might that lead to? Instead of automatically agreeing to an assignment at work and my anxiety going overboard, this time I'll be honest about my time frame and tell my boss I can get it done next week, but not this one. So you see how your behavior, what you actually do, what you say, is changed by the new rule, is changed by the new belief. So let's go over the three steps once more. You start with identifying both spoken and unspoken beliefs, and again, you can write those down. Decide whether or not it's rational in the now. If so, all's real good. But if not, how do you want to change it? And what will that actually look like in your real life? Stop and think for a minute. What kind of rule might you be following that would actually be pretty easy to challenge? Something that wouldn't be life-altering necessarily, but something that would be easy to confront or easier to confront. And then try on a new behavior and see what happens. But what happens is actually the fourth step. Because when you start risking new behavior, when you start doing something different, saying something different, you're going to experience the feelings associated with being able to choose your own rules. And some of those feelings are not going to be easy to feel. For example, Someone told me one time who was working on her perfectly hidden depression that she went to a committee meeting. And in that committee, she always in the past had volunteered for this and volunteered for that. And she sat on her hands, literally. And after the meeting, she went to her car. And she was just swallowed up by this sense of guilt or shame. She said, you know, every other person on that committee is just as busy as I am. And I didn't volunteer to do one thing. She almost went back in and took on more responsibility. But this time she was trying out a new behavior that she didn't always have to be the one to take on the job. And again, that rule doesn't have to be rigid. The next committee meeting, she can take on some responsibility. It's about choice. It's about knowing that how you're acting is because you've been free to choose how to do that. But your emotions will make you feel more vulnerable. And it can take real guts to tolerate that vulnerability. So please know that it can be very powerful to experience letting go of a rule or a belief that has held you hostage for many years and choose a more unfamiliar path. And although very positive in many ways, it can feel extremely awkward and wrong. Now before we stop... I want to talk a little bit about what could be the distorted rules and beliefs of perfectly hidden depression, because it might be hard for you to even recognize its distortion. So I'm just going to go through about a dozen of them, not in any order, but things you might say to yourself or believe that are going to keep you perfectly hidden. Here we go. I must look competent in everything. Mistakes are unacceptable. I'm okay with anxiety but I can't admit depression. My shame keeps me in line. I must keep pressure on myself or I'll turn into a slug. I need to feel in charge. Others expect me to get things done and get them done well. I can't disappoint anybody else. If I feel my pain, it will never stop. I don't do feelings and I'll like it that way. People who express their feelings are fragile. My worry 
keeps the people I love safe. If I'm not prepared or look at control, others will see me as weak. Are any of these sounding familiar? (laughs) If they are, you might want to go listen to my posts on Perfectly Hidden Depression. The first one is three, the second one four. Here are a few more. I can't relax. Or, I don't need to play. That's for children. Or, being creative is too awkward. I like things with answers. Or, I have to have something to do. Here's some more. Others would be burdened by my problems. Having the spotlight on me is selfish. What happened to me is nothing if you compare it to what other people have to deal with. The past is in the past. That's true of a lot of people's thinking. It's weak to seek therapy or consider medication. I refuse to feel sorry for myself. Positivity is the only thing that keeps me sane. And, lastly, we have a great family just the way we are. If any of these feel defensive, distorted, irrational, rigid, like you're not willing to look and see where there might be potential for change, where you feel stuck, and where you can't look for pain that is perhaps underneath that rule, then I hope you'll take this opportunity to question, to confront, to challenge, and to change those beliefs and those rules. Our listener email today is short and sweet because I knew that it would take a little bit longer to get through those four steps. He says, Dear Dr. Rutherford, you gave me a major breakthrough in my journey when you shared that you still suffer panic attacks. It was truly awe-inspiring to know that someone with your knowledge and experience can still have these attacks. It makes me realize if you can't eliminate them, then I might not be able to stop them either. However, your suggestions on how to deal with them are invaluable. I have purchased the Reed Wilson book on your recommendation, and it is superb. Thank you for making a difference in my life. Well, before you think, (laughs) the only reason I read this was because I'm a bit narcissistic and want you to hear how wonderful I am. That's hopefully not the point, although I'm very touched by the kind words that he has said to me. My point is this, and I don't really even have to read my answer. It was so short. But basically what I said to him is, if my being open has helped you realize that there's no shame in having a chronic illness, mental or medical, whatever, that you have to manage, then I'm delighted and you're more than welcome. Basically, I'm suggesting that we all have to do this for one another, that the more we all share what we truly struggle with, then we can help each other be accepting and hopeful. I hope that's helpful to you today. I want to thank you. Know that you have my gratitude for being a listener to self-work. It means more to me than you know. For you to subscribe and let me know that you're looking forward to next week's segment, even though I really try to keep them diverse, and next week's episode might not be your cup of tea or something you need to hear, but the next week's just might be, so you can pick and choose. If you'd like to subscribe to my website at drmargaretrutherford.com, Please do so. You'll get a weekly newsletter, and that's it, I promise. 
with a weekly blog post and a weekly podcast. You'll also get a free copy of my book, Seven Commandments of Good Therapy, or it's a little ebook. Please email me and let me know your questions, your comments. I got a question this week about self-esteem, and I'm going to do a post about that more specific task of how you operationalize, for lack of a better word, beginning to feel better about yourself, especially in the workplace. I'm finding some questions that want me to talk about the workplace. So I'll do my best with a caveat that I've never worked in a corporation. (laughs) I've mostly worked for myself all my life. So I'll tell you what I've learned from other people. How about that? I also want to share with you another opportunity. I have started a Facebook group that is composed primarily of women. Actually, there are a handful of men on it, but men are welcome. We've got about 300 people in the group right now from all over the world, and we're giving each other support and encouragement. I also called it self-work, and it's on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. That's again, facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. So I hope you'll join me there. I do some Facebook Lives there. I've certainly post asking questions and commenting, so it's a way for all of us to know each other better and to give each other some support. So I hope you'll join me there. Thank you for listening today. Take very good care. This is Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work. <laughs>